Yerke. And I'm Drew B. And this week we're doing Dennis Nilsson. Some call the UK's Jeffrey Dahmer. If you're listening on YouTube, please like and subscribe. We just hit 850 subscribers, so thank you so much to everyone who subscribed. Yes, thank you everyone who's been helping us along the way so far. But without further ado, Dennis Nilsson. Dennis Nilsson was born on November 23, 1945 in Fraserburgh, Scotland. His parents' marriage was an unhappy one, and as a result, Nilsson, his mother, and siblings lived with his maternal grandfather, whom Nilsson admired. Nilsson claimed that his grandfather's unexpected death when he was just six years old and the traumatizing viewing of his corpse at the funeral led to his later psychopathy and the horrors he committed. So yeah, just a little bit of background here on Dennis Nilsson's parents. So his father was, I wouldn't say soldier, he was in the Norwegian army and he met his mother who was a Scot and he was basically never home. And after having the third child, she basically decided she had rushed way too soon into marriage and divorced him because he just literally was never home and had zero interest in making a home with her. He would just come home to like basically fuck and then leave. So his mother went on to remarry and have four more children, leaving Nilsson a lonely child. Aware of his homosexual attractions, he claimed no sexual encounters as an adolescent. And at 16, he enlisted in the army. He became a cook serving as a butcher in the Army Catering Corps. Upon leaving the army in 1972, he took up police training where he discovered a fascination with morgue visits and autopsies. Despite the obvious advantages that police work gave to develop his morbid tastes, he resigned and went on to become a recruitment interviewer. Nilsson's first brush with the police came in 1973. David Painter, who was a young man that Nilsson had met through his work, claimed that Nilsson had taken pictures of him while he was asleep. Painter was so upset that he required hospitalization. It seems a little dramatic. Seems a bit much, but I'm not going to victim shame. Nilsson was brought in for questioning about the incident, but was released without charge. In 1975, he roomed with David Golichin in an apartment at 195 Melrose Avenue in North London. Although Golichin denied that they had a relationship. This lasted two years, and when Golichin Golichin left, Nilsson's life began a downward spiral into alcoholism and loneliness, which culminated in his first murder 18 months later. So you're going to see a lot of parallels here between Dennis Nilsson and our Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean, I'm seeing a little bit of Ed Kemper, too. A little bit as well. A lot of people don't know about this guy, but he took place not long before Dahmer did. Nilsson became increasingly disturbed by his sexual encounters, which only seemed to reinforce his loneliness whenever they were over, much like Jeffrey Dahmer. He met his first young victim at a pub on December 29th of 1978 and invited him home. The next morning, overcome by a desire to prevent the young man from leaving, he strangled him with a tie before drowning him in a bucket of water. Very much like Jeffrey Dahmer. Yes. Nelson took the corpse to his bathroom to wash it and then placed it back into his bed, later noting that he found the corpse beautiful. He unsuccessfully attempted to engage in necrophilia, but instead spent the night sleeping next to the dead man. He finally hid the corpse under his floorboards for seven months. 
before removing it and burning the decaying remains in his garden. So I'm no gardener, but I haven't really heard of anybody burning things in their garden before. Do you think this would attract some sort of attention, especially if he's living in a somewhat populated area? So this is kind of a suburban area. And from what I have read, this didn't cause any red flags with anybody. This was an apartment. It just had a garden there and he was at ground level and this didn't erase suspicion. Some reports had him burning shit all day long. And was this a communal garden or a private garden? I believe this is a communal garden. Yeah, because it's from what apartment. I understood, he yeah, what I understood, he lived in an apartment complex shared by other people and that he didn't really have his own private space other than his own apartment. Yeah, I don't know if it was like more of a complex where you have something that has floorboards. It must have been something older. I mean, still, if you keep a body for seven months in floorboards, it's gonna permeate. It's gonna permeate and then you're burning it out in a public space. It's, it's gonna create black smoke and yes. there's that smell. That's just the weird thing about it's that bold. one to me. Yeah, it, one, it's bold. Two, you start to ask, well, how did this guy not get caught? He's just asking for it at that point. He had another close call with the police in October of 1979 when a young student accused Nelson of trying to strangle him during a bondage play session. Despite the student's claims, no charges were pressed against Nilsson, and I'm not surprised to hear this as this is what happens when you have crime committed between two gay men. The police just throw up their hands and walk away. Much like Dahmer. Much like Dahmer. Nilsson encountered his second victim, Canadian tourist Kenneth Ockenden, at a pub on December 3rd, 1979. Following a day of sightseeing and drinking, Nilsson again succumbed to his fears of abandonment and strangled Ockenden to death with an electrical cable. He cleaned up the corpse as he did before and shared the bed with it. He took photos of himself engaging in various necrophilic acts with the body and finally placed the corpse under the floorboards, removing it frequently and engaging in conversation as if Ockenden was still alive. Just five months later, Nilsson met his third victim, Martin Duffy, a homeless 16-year-old whom he had invited to spend the night on May 13th of 1980. Again, much like Dahmer, going after the indigent. As with his first victim, Nilsson strangled then drowned him before bringing him back to the bed and masturbating over the teenager's body. Duffy was kept in a wardrobe for two weeks before joining Ockenden under the floorboards. Oh, so he doesn't just keep one at a time. He has to... He is keeping so many. Uh, here, here, Here's your floorboard, mate. I hope this is like a decent-sized apartment. Yeah, was this a tiny flat? Was he in an efficiency? Like, like I, I hope this was big. I, did... I doubt it, but I hope so. Just my guess based on the average flat. I mean, this was Shakedown 1979. I, I don't know <laughs> how apartments were then, but I know that flats now aren't the... Aren't the greatest thing. Yeah, or, or the most uh, roomy thing from what I've been told. I will say that I've watched an account on YouTube. I forget which one it was. It was something I was just listening to while I was working one day. And there was a gentleman, and I don't know if it was at this apartment or the next apartment that he moved into. I think it was this one. And it was one of the gentlemen that actually got away. You'll we'll hear later in the episode, there are people that made it out of this alive. He could smell all the bodies in there. But he thought it was his dog had shit all over the apartment. Yeah, I remember hearing about this. Yeah. People were coming in here and like still having hookups with all these dead bodies. Damn, what is that awful smell? Oh, I don't give a fuck. Whip it out. My God. <laughs> I mean, the first scent of that, even if it was like dogs shitting all over the apartment, I think I'd be the fuck out. I mean, I'm not going to shame people. 
if that's what you're into, okay? Maybe you like... Maybe you like dog shit. Maybe. I'm not... Okay, okay, listen. At least it's not cat shit. I mean, you can't... I'm not going to go here condoning being into dog shit, but maybe the smell of dog shit is something that, you know, just kind of gets you going. You do... The the, the sweet perfume. You do you, buddy. Like, we're not here to kink shame, all right? Absolutely not. So maybe maybe this just worked out in some people's favor. I mean, Divine ate some some doggy poop at the end of pink flamingos i never saw that well, i'll have to show it to you i have it up in one of the boxes like ironically ate it or unironically like ate, ate it. it like at the end of the film he is walking around next to a little frou-frou dog who takes a shit and then he's like ah, ha, 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 and then eats it so he does it as a joke i guess so and he seems very happy about it is this so, is, smiling this, and smears it all over his face this, this is some climactic part of this movie it yeah. sounds perfect for the sundance festival absolutely his next victim was prostitute billy sutherland who was 27 and unfortunately he too was strangled another one of his victims 24 year old malcolm barlow was an orphan with learning disabilities who was also strangled by 1981 nelson had killed 12 men in his apartment of whom only four could be identified. Nilsson claimed that on seven occasions, he actually freed the victims rather than complete the act. So by the time Barlow was killed, Nilsson was forced to stuff him under the kitchen sink as he was rapidly running out of storage space with half a dozen bodies hidden around the apartment. He was forced to spray his rooms twice a day to be rid of the flies that hatched from the maggots feasting on the decomposing bodies. When neighbors complained about the smell, he convinced them that it stemmed from structural problems in the building. I could buy that, depending on how old this apartment is. So where I work in the mill, it's an old textile mill that's been repurposed into different office spaces. And the bathroom on the third floor of the south building, which is where I work when I'm not working from home, hopefully we'll never have to go back, it reeks in there of sewerage. And it's not because people are in there shitting their pants. No. It's like that, like they're on the weekends. Definitely went pee. And it reeked on the weekends when nobody is there. But regardless, raw sewage is not the smell of death. But if they didn't know any better, I bet that they could believe it's nasty pipes. Would you really not know any better, though? Would you really like... I mean, I'd know better. But (sighs) what if these people were just not that smart? I mean, maybe. I just feel like death has this unmistakable And I don't spell. know about the pipe systems in foggy London town. Maybe they're not that good. Yeah, true. I mean, people tell me that London, there's just shit all over the streets in before somebody from London comes in and just chews me a new one. You know, but- I, I doubt it's really like th- that now, but I do know in the olden days, London Bridge was just covered in dead animals and blood and dead fish and horse shit and people shit and sewerage. Is that why it was falling down? It was laid down by corpses and shit? Maybe. Have you ever seen uh, the movie Perfume? No, I haven't. So it's a French movie basically about this man who makes perfume and he finds beautiful women and makes it out of their bodies. And I love it. I want you to see it so badly. We'll have to see if it's on Netflix or Prime or something. We can watch it. But there's a scene in it where they're in some sort of fish market and literally they're like ankle deep in dead fish and sewerage. And some woman basically just gives birth to a baby, cuts the cord off and just throws it into the sewerage pile. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, this sounds more romantic than making soap out of people's fat that has been liposuctioned in Fight Club. They do that. That's kind of how they figured out how soap was made. 
So when people would burn bodies in the Ganges upriver, people were like downriver washing their clothes with a lye. And they realized that the lye mixed with the fatty acids and parts from people being burned coming down the river was making some really nice soapsy suds. <laughs> and that's how soap was discovered. But we don't use fat nowadays from people. I don't know how they make industrial soap, but like fancy artisan soaps you make out of goat's milk and stuff. Yeah, you even if there was animal fat in it, you look at the back of it and it has all these fancy terms. I will tell you, though, that when I worked over at McDonald's in Lewiston, every time they emptied the grease traps, they went in this big vat in this shed that was out in the parking lot. And someone would come and pick all of that up and it was used to be rendered into soaps and makeup products. They have a deal with your store where they come and get it. I don't know. I was a teenager back then, but this is what management had told me. And they also would go and get stuff from like deer processing plants as well. I don't know you, what the deal was. You know, if it's going to be thrown away, let, sure. them, let them use it. I'm just surprised because nowadays, usually if somebody were to come by and take, you know, a waste product, that company would freak out and not let them use it, just like most of these fast food places will destroy perfectly good food. So that way people dumpster diving or people who were homeless couldn't eat because if they can't have them, no one will. Yeah, Augusta wouldn't do that because when we used to dumpster dive up there, I didn't eat the donuts just because they got too smushy and I don't really like that type of donut, but I'd eat the bagels. And they, at least up there, were nice enough knowing that someone was going to do that. They put it all in one bag or even they they put the bagels in a different bag. Sometimes they even leave it outside the dumpster. The, the bagels take a beating, but no. Okay, so because I'm not gonna lie, I did dumpster dive when I was a teenager, but I knew the night manager at Duncan's, and she would just box them up, stick them in a bag, and leave them outside the dumpster, and we would just come by and get it. Yeah, there was a girl that used to do that for us at the Augusta Panera for a long time before I got that deer from my mom for Christmas. We lived off stale cheese bagels from Panera and tons of old broccoli soup. But enough about old fast food and making soap and perfume out of human parts. Well, we said that we haven't gone on tangents lately. Here's our tangent. Canceled. Whatever. off. I am done with this podcast. <laughs> off topic. So to get rid of the corpses, he would dismember them with a large kitchen knife, sometimes also boiling the skulls to remove the flesh, placing organs and flesh in plastic bags for disposal. He buried limbs in the garden and in his shed and stuffed the torsos into suitcases until he could burn the remains in a bonfire at the end of his garden. Okay, he had to have had some sort of private space. He had his I own shed. Know. I've never read that he had his own shed. I've what if it's a situation where they're kind of like townhouses where you have the little fenced in back? Maybe, but I thought I saw a picture of the building and it looked like an apartment building. I could be wrong, but maybe it was misattributed. Maybe. I can fully admit that's a possibility, but I just thought he didn't have his own personal space. I mean, he's got some sort of space here That'd to be doing crazy all this. That'd be crazy if it was a shared shed. I he hope just, so. And he just like put it underneath the floorboards in the shed. This dude's not, nobody cares. Oh yeah, this guy smells like dead bodies. Oh, whatever. They just make fun of him. They you know he's just like butchering a car. Marcus. Oh my god. So he crushed the bones once the fire had consumed the flesh and the police found thousands of bone fragments in his garden during a later forensic examination. I wonder if blood really does make the grass grow. It does. Yeah, it, does it, it. absolutely does. So when you go buy different 
fertilizers and plant food basically a lot of it has bone meal in it they do say like the best thing for you to do is slaughter your own animals and basically put what's left ground up to keep just growing your plants plant your garden where you kill your cows yes but not not the calico cow not the calico cow she's a good cow in 1982 in an attempt to quell his homicidal obsession Nilsson moved into a top floor apartment at 23 Cranley Gardens, Muswell Hill. I hope I said that right. Also in North London. I'm assuming this is the complex you're talking about. Yes, I was about to say that. When something has a name like Cranley Gardens, it's probably (laughs) a complex. This had no garden and no floorboard. So this is what I was thinking of. He must have had some private space beforehand. And I'm assuming he was limiting himself and his resources to make himself feel like he couldn't do it without these things right however he was still unable to control his impulses so three more victims were killed in this apartment between his arrival and february 1983 these victims were identified as john howlett archibald graham allen and stephen sinclair these are great british names very british names this presented nelson with a greater disposal challenge given the apartment's lack of direct access to outdoor space so to overcome this nilson boiled the heads feet and hands then dissected the bodies into small pieces that could be flushed down the toilet and disposed of in plastic bags could you imagine doing that in here so we're here recording in an apartment complex on the third floor without really direct access to a lawn there are little lawns here but you'd be seen burning a body or trying to bury a body could you even imagine friggin' Yergi in the kitchen, like, putting shit down the garbage disposal? Boiling heads. Boiling heads in the tiny little nook of a kitchen. Well, not only that, I think what people fail to realize, unless nobody cares and they hear screaming, he would have to have gotten the drop on these people perfectly so they didn't make a sound. Because in here, the walls are pretty thin. If somebody's screaming bloody murder... Well, a lot of these people he met at the pub. So what if, you know, they were half-cocked? Yeah, if normally he's strangling them, then sure, it's fine. It seems like he did that with a few of them. But I don't think he strangled all of them. And my thought here, I mean, I've never seen pictures of the victims, but maybe they were smaller men. Like, Dennis Nielsen was kind of a twinkish fellow himself. I'm not questioning that he could overpower them. It's Mm -hmm. just the fact that you are able to do this to somebody without them making a sound in apartment complex walls are famously thin right i'm just saying that he had to do things pretty perfectly and i don't believe he drugged any victims from what i understand i don't think he did there hasn't been any reports that i've seen where any drugging happened it seems like it was all just having a beer yeah i didn't read anything like that either there's some information left out here and there so i think it could be possible but again not Not a requirement for Mm -hmm. him to pull this off. There were five other tenants at Cranley Gardens. None of them actually really knew Nilsson, kind of like here, I don't know my neighbors. In February 1983, one of them called a plumber to investigate a drain blockage. In the presence of the tenants, including Nilsson, the plumber discovered rotting human remains when he went down the outdoor manhole. It was decided that a full inspection would be conducted the following day, after which the police would be notified. Nilsson, aware now that the cat was out of the bag, tried to cover his tracks by removing the remains from the drains that night, but was spotted by the downstairs tenant. Allegedly, Nilsson told a colleague, 
And in a joking manner, mind you, if I'm not in tomorrow, I'll either be ill, dead, or in jail. <laughs> oh, God. On February 9th, Nelson was met by Detective Chief Inspector Jay. I love, like, how they have these big lengthy titles. Yeah, and then just Jay. Inspector Jay informed him that he wished to question him about human remains that had been found in the drains. Upon entering the apartment, Jay noticed a foul stench and asked Nelson what it was. Knowing that he had been caught, Nelson confessed to what they were looking for was stored in bags around the apartment, which included two dismembered heads and other larger body parts. If he knew that the cat was out of the bag, why or, in this go case, find a dumpster? or in this case, the remains were out of the drain, yeah, why wouldn't he move these? Even so... some sloppy attempt, just don't leave them in your apartment. Right. I, I don't understand. I really don't understand. I, at this point, I don't think the cops have been called yet. No, I think he had some time. He had some time. Oh, my. That is a bean. That is little bean, my cat. She's trying to jump all over the mixer. Little bean, go away. She's a Siamese, so she's very mouthy. Oh. Death glaring me. Anyway, you were saying... So why not take these bags and suitcases and whatnot and go find a dumpster? There's a dumpster somewhere in North London you can throw this in. I mean, or throw it you, in the Thames. Yeah, yeah in the what? <laughs> in the Thames. The Thames? What is that? The river. They, they call it the Thames? Yes, not the Thames. The Thames. Oh. Oh, I thought it was the Thames. No. Oh, shows what I know. <laughs> but but yeah, yeah. even if he had tried to throw it into the river and it was discovered, I mean... I don't least, even know if tried... the Thames runs through North London. I'm just talking shit right now. Well, I'm sure there's a bridge he could have thrown it off of. Right. It just, again, I would have respected the effort, but he's just like, you know what? I'm, I'm, just gonna... I'm done. And it's not like he even waited up there with a weapon and was just like, they won't take me alive. He's just like, yeah, yep, yeah, here you go. He's I'm, probably up having a beer. I'm going to jail forever, whatever. Probably picked him up at the pub. So upon his arrest, he provided details about his killing spree, admitting to killing 15 young men against the advice of his legal <laughs> counsel. He just fucking spilled. He could have gotten away with this and was... just fucking spilled if he wasn't just freaking lazy about getting rid of these bags. You're so self-destructive, Mr. Like, Nelson. God. Hey, no, listen, maybe he was feeling very guilty. It seemed like he had some level of guilt. He did no, try to stop. He was like remorseless when they finally like brought him in. Then why did he tr move somewhere to try to control his impulses? I don't know. He's a complicated man. I guess he is. So he also admitted to the attempted murder of seven others, although he could only name four of them. At no point did he show any remorse. He appeared eager to assist the police with amassing evidence against him, even taking him to his old address to point out specific disposal sites. After the confession, Nelson was held at Brixton Prison pending trial. Whilst there, he wrote over 50 notebooks of his memories to assist the prosecution. He cared not about his fate. He fired all of his legal counsel, then rehired him and fired him once again shortly before he came to trial. His trial commenced on October 24th, 1983. Nelson was charged with six counts of murder and two charges of attempted murder. He pleaded not guilty to all charges, citing diminished responsibility due to mental defect. The prosecution relied primarily on his confession, which took over four hours to read to the jury, as well as testimony of three of his victims, Paul Nobbs, Douglas Stewart, and Carl Stotter, who managed to escape and all of whom he had attempted to strangle. 
Despite attempts by Nilsson's defense to undermine the testimony of these victims by introducing evidence of their sexual encounters with Nilsson, their accounts inflicted serious damage on the defense's case. I don't understand. Okay, so he fully admits to everything, talks about how he did it and where he put them, but yet was trying to undermine these victims? I don't victims. really think he knows what's going on here. I think this might have been the defense's strategy basically stating that he had diminished responsibility due to mental defect because they were trying to find some sort of foothold for the fact that he had already confessed. This is their way to try to make him seem crazy. Yeah, because he admitted against legal counsel, so now they're just trying to work with a mess, basically. Physical evidence included photographs of the murder scenes, the cutting board used to dissect the victims, and the pot used to boil the skulls, feet, and hands which is now on display at the Black Museum at Scotland Yard, which I did not know was a thing. And I, I want to see this. need to see this one day. Yes. The jury retired on November 3rd, 1983, but were unable to reach a unanimous verdict. That's interesting. I figured they would just completely sink him. The following day, the judge agreed to accept a majority verdict, and at 4.25 p.m., they delivered a verdict of guilty on all six counts of murder. The judge sentenced Dennis Nelson to life in prison without eligibility for parole for at least 25 years. Oh, I figured he would not have any eligibility for parole. There's softies there over over across the pond. I guess so. I mean, Kellyanne Bates. Right. But despite this, Nelson died in prison in 2018, which I was not aware of until doing research for this again. I didn't realize that he died recently. Yeah. And not only did he die recently, there is going to be, what is it, a short mini series on him? Yes, a three episode him. mini series starring David Tennant as Dennis Nilsson, and I am stoked. I've seen pictures of him done up. It is very convincing. It does not look like David Tennant to me. Or maybe David Tennant just looks a lot like Dennis Nilsson. Maybe. But it's pretty spot on. Yeah, it's really good. So this is supposed to come out when? In September. September, okay. Keep that, an eye out for that. We will be keeping an eye yeah, out for that. Yeah, we are definitely going to be watching that. So I know we mentioned in the Kellyanne Bates case that we hadn't done a whole lot of British cases and we've had a few recommended to us which I greatly appreciate and they will be done eventually from Hannah on Instagram yes Hannah thank you so much you suggested Sadie Hartley definitely want to do that one eventually so I appreciate the suggestions we've been getting and because of this I ended up discovering David Tennant playing Dennis Nelson now and I was just like why haven't we done this case yet so it worked out very well absolutely and Hannah if we're ever across the ponds we're gonna have to go have a pint I've been told by several people that alcohol beer especially is 10 times better in Europe I don't know this personally but it's just what I've been told I hear it as well I hear the Guinness there is completely different than the Guinness here. So that's specifically one of the things that was told to me, except this was in Ireland. I knew somebody that went to Ireland and had a Guinness there, and it was a thousand times better than any Guinness they've ever had in the States. I believe it. So one kind of closing thought on this as well. Dennis Nilsson had one last victim, and it's very, very sad. I don't even know if I would call this a victim of Dennis Nilsson. In a way. So Dennis Nilsson had a border collie and her name was Bleep and she was so cute. She's she, adorable. We she will has, put pictures up. Yeah, she has black hair with like a little white paws and a little white chest and nose. He loved her very, very much. He was good to her he from what I understand. He was very good to her. But three days after 
he went to prison for the murder of six men and the attempted murder of two other men, Bleep was euthanized for literally no reason. Didn't go to a shelter. I don't know what shelter laws or even what the shelter situation is in England. But they put Bleep to sleep. And this is just very sad. It's not like he had mistreated her. He didn't want her. He actually walked her a lot, fed her, took very good care of her. But because he was arrested for this, she was quickly euthanized. It's absolutely terrible. Because what did she do? Nothing at all. And why couldn't she be rehomed at least? I mean, obviously there's the grief of losing your owner, but... It just makes no sense to me. Maybe somebody can let me know what the shelter situation is like in England or the adoption process, or at least how it was in the period of time where he was operating. If you're listening on YouTube, please hit like and subscribe. Again, we're getting so much closer to a thousand And if you want to get us there quicker and you want to show your support, the least you can do, hit like and subscribe. If you like this video, share this with somebody that you think would appreciate it. All these things go a very long way in helping us. Absolutely. And thank you so much to our patrons. Yes, thank you to our patrons. Thank you, Eddie, Holly, Rowan, Marky, Lauren, Karen, Vu, Ashley, Anna, Chloe, and Serena. Yes, thank you so much. We love you guys. And if you want to go that extra mile to support us and be a part of our community, patreon.com slash the misery machine you get our weekly check-ins you get our secret episodes videos we're doing a whole lot more of them now and maybe one of these days i'll release an old patreon secret episode we'll see but again the, the only way to get these at a very regular frequency we upload at least once a week patreon.com slash the misery machine or paypal.me slash the misery machine if you want to do that as well and message us we'll work something out also one dollar stickers stickers just hit us up same paypal same paypal account and we'll go ahead and send that out to you we'll send it anywhere in the world they withstand the elements outside i've seen examples of this yurgi's car has one and it's probably the best sticker on my car right now that is held up the best granted we haven't had much in the way of inclement weather although we did have a bit of the hurricane we did and there was quite a bit of rain however these are vinyl stickers i've gone through the car wash with it i made sure that they were going to withstand the elements all right so how can you not want one of these stickers hit us up and we'll get you one and if you do take a picture of it send it to us and we'll feature it on our instagram you will get featured and shouted out okay absolutely but until next time until next time we love you we love you all right Bye. Bye.